0: Well, good morning, Lindsley Avenue. Good morning. Good to see everyone. Good to see some visitors. We appreciate you being here, and we hope you will come back and visit again whenever you can. Now, we're going to be looking at Ephesians 2 here for a few minutes this morning, and I think there's a great deal to learn from this small set of verses out of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians is one of my favorite letters to a church in the New Testament because uh, it makes the job I have very easy because the text teaches itself. Uh, And I love what Paul has to say here in Ephesians 2. So take a look with me here for a few minutes this morning. He picks up here and says, Therefore, remember, I want to stop right there. You see, therefore, that's a tie-together phrase. It's tying together what Paul is about to say. To what he has just finished saying. In Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10, are a set of verses that we, I think, are all going to be familiar with. Paul has just said, For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works, lest anyone could boast. And that's a very important thought, very important verse, because you cannot save yourself by doing magnificent deeds. You cannot save yourself by doing small deeds that nobody notices. You cannot save yourself by visiting a million sick people, I like to say, by feeding a million hungry people, by giving clothing to a million cold people. Those are all good things to do, but that is not how we are ever going to go home to be with God. The only way we are ever going to go home to be with God will be to be saved by grace through faith. Paul has led up to that in the first 10 verses of chapter 2. And having just told these members of God's family, composed of Jews and Gentiles, in this case, in the church at Ephesus, he starts off here in verse 11. and says, Therefore, remember, because of what I just told you, Remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time, previously, in the past, at that time, you were separated from Christ, alienated, again another word for being separated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So therefore, because of all that Paul has previously said in this chapter and in the previous verses, that they, the Gentile hearers, imagine if this is the church at Ephesus, if Gentiles were sitting over here and the Jewish people were sitting over here, there's a natural past distinction. The Jewish listeners, the Jewish people in the church at Ephesus, were heirs to a long history of God speaking to their ancestors. They were heirs to a long history of words and letters and texts sent to them through God, uh, by God through the prophets. Gentiles on the other hand, if this is the side of the Gentiles we're sitting on, were relative newcomers. They didn't have that long history and in fact in the past the Jewish individuals had looked at the Gentiles as only created by God to keep the fires of hell hot. The only purpose you Gentiles have, Jewish people in the past had thought and said, is so that God can keep the fires of hell going for the really bad people. Now, however, that's not true. Notice that this is in past tense. Remember that at one time you Gentiles were were at that time separated from christ you were alienated separated from the commonwealth the nation of israel the gathering of god's people and you were strangers to the covenants of promise the promises had been given in the past to the jewish people the gentiles weren't given weren't told about that promise even though as thorough has said in the study about uh, abram and abraham uh, in the Bible classes here Sunday mornings, even though in those promises all the families of the earth were going to be blessed, which would include the Gentile hearers. Over here, okay? uh, now, however, not only have the Jews received the promises, the Jewish Christians, because they have, by grace through faith, been saved, but the Gentile hearers in the church of Ephesus have also been created anew in Jesus. The Gentile peoples in Ephesus who heard the word have been saved by grace through faith, created through Jesus by God for good works. You used to be alien. You used to be separated. You used to have no hope and you used to be without God in the world. Remember, One thing we humans are uh, pretty good at is forgetting, of all things. You know, the, the stereotype, right, is of a husband that can't remember the anniversary or something like that. Uh, I freely confess, uh, I messed up and forgot Mother's Day once years ago. And so we ended up with, I think, several weeks of Mother's Days as I clawed my way out of that hole that I dug. We, But we all forget. Have, have, no, have nobody in here ever simply not forgotten an appointment never forgotten you said you're gonna call somebody back never forgotten you said you're gonna do something whether it was take out the trash or whatever it is we forget that's why it's so important to remember we've used this verse before Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 32 God here speaking to Jeremiah says to his own people can a bride forget her wedding dress I suspect not. I suspect not. And then God says, Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. We forget. And that's why 50 times, 50 times in the New Testament alone, the text uses the word remember. Places like Revelation chapter 2, verse 5. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen and do the works you did at first. We've got to remember how things used to be and make the choice, the decision to go back to the way we used to be, to where things used to be. Revelation 3, verse 3, remember then what you have received and heard, keep it and repent. We've got to remember how things were, if they were good, and go back to them when we forget. Well, that's different in some ways from what Paul is using the word remember because he's trying to get people to remember how bad things used to be, how separated people used to be from God, and how they now are members of his family. But it's still the same thing. We forget We need to always encourage each other to remember. Why does God want his people to get together so often? There's absolutely a part of it of praising God. No doubt at all it's also, I think, for us because we tend to be so forgetful. By gathering together, we have an opportunity to be reminded, to be reminded of things. So take a look. Remember what? What does Paul tell them? That at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh. Now notice, they used to be Gentiles in the flesh. Has anything really changed in the Gentiles' bodies? No, it hasn't. It hasn't. So the implication is that they're no longer Gentiles. You used to be Gentiles. Well, you know, if, if, if I'm a Gentile woman, I'm, I haven't changed any physically. There's no longer Greek or Jew. There's no longer Jew or Gentile once we all become members of God's family. You used to be Gentiles. Called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands. Jewish people used to call you Gentiles. Jewish people, the men who had been circumcised called the Gentile people men uncircumcised. But notice this phrasing here. The circumcision made by hands. Everybody is born the same. The differences between men at least in this circumstance here we're not from the womb. We're not from birth. It was done after we had entered the world. From God's perspective of sending new life down to enter the world, we all are born the same. And so, the distinction between Jew and Gentile was done by the hands of men. It was a physical difference made? based on how they were born, but after the fact. And so I think it's real important to know we're all born the same. We are all people. There's no difference when we're born. The barrier had been put up, that separation between Jew and Gentile, that barrier that had been put up between Jew and Gentile by the rabbis and teaching was absolute. It became, certainly in the Middle Ages, but it was not lawful, proper, for a Jewish person to help a Gentile woman in childbirth. If a Jewish physician came upon a Gentile woman having trouble giving birth, they were not supposed to help. Because what's the outcome? If I help this Gentile woman, there's simply another Gentile in the world. And who wants that? From a Jewish perspective, that was the way the thinking occurred. Uh, if a Jewish person married a Gentile, whether the Jewish woman or the Jewish man married a Gentile, the Jewish people and the families held a funeral. They held a funeral. Such contact with the Gentile, such a relationship with the Gentile was considered the equivalent of death. Before Jesus came, the barriers were up, and oh, were they up. After Jesus, the barriers came down, and I think the real reason for that is because Jesus pointed out that from the beginning, this was not so. He makes that statement about marriage and divorce. From the beginning, it was not this way. From the beginning, there was no Jew and Gentile. I mean, think about it. Was Adam a Jew or was he a Gentile? He was a human being, period. When we're born and we're one day old, right, is there a distinction between us as to Jew and Gentile even back in the New Testament day? No. The distinction physically on the the males came on the eighth day, and it was done by people. So these barriers essentially were created by people. God had ordered the Gentiles to observe the law and to circumcise the boys. Absolutely, they're following what God had said. God had never said to have this kind of distinct barrier. God would never have been happy. For a doctor to not help a woman in childbirth because she was a Gentile one of the parables that we are all very familiar with and I think it's very important we call it the good Samaritan even though in the bible he's never called the good Samaritan that's the phrase we put on this individual why do we call him good because he helped the Jewish person well the point of that is do good to people whether they are Jew or Gentile, whether they are white or black, does not matter. I need to be good to everyone because everyone's my neighbor. Everyone can be my brother or sister. Once Jesus came, barriers that had been set up to divide had been knocked over. Remember that you were at one time, and then Paul gives a list, separated from Christ. begin talking to the Gentiles, former Gentiles, people that came from a pagan background, at one time you were separated from Christ. They had been pagan, even. This means they had no hope of the Messiah, no hope of a Savior. They were forever lost in sin because they had no access to God. Having been pagan. Going into the temple of Zeus, going into the temple of Aphrodite, going into the temple of Artemis, they were pagan, worshipping idols. They were not in any way part of God's family. Remember that at one time you were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. They were not citizens of God's family. another way of saying what he had just said. These are repetitions this list. And they were strangers to the covenants of promise. They were not part of the promise given through Moses. Right? God had said to the Jews only in Exodus chapter 6, verse 7, I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. Oh. Pagans and Gentiles weren't part of that group. Remember that he says you used to be strangers. You used to be strangers. You also had no hope. So much of the world then and now. Let's be very clear. Then and now had no hope. You know, there are billions and billions and billions of people in the world. Even in 2021, there are a lot of people that really know very little about Jesus. You can see that in the actions of people around the world. You can see that in the actions of people right here in Nashville. If we knew Jesus, the majority of us really knew Jesus in this town. This town would be a different place. They had no hope, and they were without God in the world. So he's bringing up a list of really not very pleasant memories for this Gentile group of people. Remember at one time, all these things were true of you. But now, in Christ Jesus. Remember, I like to focus on the word but. When you see the word but in the text, It's telling you we're changing this is the way things used to be but now in Christ Jesus now in Christ Jesus we were separated but now in Christ and now in Jesus now by the Messiah Jesus that's what Christ means the Messiah the one that God chose to send to the world his only son we are without God no longer as Gentiles note the contrast at one time you were but now then you were separated now you're not then and now then versus now you who once were far off living in their own ignorance chasing after their own view of what might have been god's or god's Worshiping things made with hands, engaging in immorality, thinking that's a way to approach God. Having been brought near by the blood of Christ. How was this reapproachment? how was this reconciliation brought about? It was brought about by Jesus coming into the world and dying to pay the price for the things that they had done. Things that I had done. Now, through the blood of Christ, we have been brought near. We once were far off, but now we have been brought near. We've been brought back to God. When a Gentile converted to Judaism, when a person became a proselyte, a convert to Judaism from a Gentile background, the Jewish people, the rabbis, said that he or she had been brought near. This was one who had been brought near. They had come come closer to God by becoming a Jewish person, a Jew,
1: than having been a Gentile, created to keep the fires of hell
0: hot. Now, however, the way that they become near to God was not by becoming a Jewish person and following the law. They had been brought near to God by the blood of Jesus. For he himself, he's the he right here, Jesus, Jesus himself is our peace. Who has made us both one and is broken down in his flesh for he himself is our peace look at romans 5 1. therefore since we have been justified set right before god by faith we have peace with god through jesus christ by more than his actions by jesus himself we have peace living the way we wanted to live in rebellion to god and living for ourselves was living in rebellion to God, there was not peace before God. When I'm living in sin, when I'm living for myself, there is no peace before God. Only through what Jesus did was that distance, that separation between us and God, that lack of peace made whole so that now we can have peace with God. And, and be justified by our faith back to God. He himself is our peace who has made us both one. He comes back again to the Jew and the Gentile separation. These two groups of people in the past have now both been made one. There is no longer Jew and Gentile. We are now one. There's neither Greek nor Jew. But no, we don't have... A big deal of separation between Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians today. Nearly all of us that are from a Gentile background does not matter. But you can't have separations in the body of Christ. You can't have, well, and I'll say this because it used to be said this way, you can't have, well, they are black Christians, so they need to be over there. And there are white Christians over here David Liston who used to preach here for the precursor of Linsley Avenue, he used to bring a little black girl that was living with him, not as a servant, not as a slave, as someone in his household would bring her to church services. And some of the good brothers at the time had said, she really needs to go be with her people. I love David Liston for a lot of things. His response to that was... I thought God's people were her people. He's absolutely right. There is no difference anymore. We are all God's family, period. Jew and Gentile had a hard time with that. They had to learn that we are now one. Right. Many in America, north, south, east, west, have, are still having to learn that whether it's white black, whether it's language differences, there cannot be, cannot be separations and differences. We're all members of God's family. Period. Period. In His flesh, I'm going to change the word order slightly to keep it going here. In His flesh, by Jesus' death on the cross, that is how we have both been made one. We have been made one by the offering of His body, His senseless life, to pay the price for my sinful life and sinful choices by his flesh the offering of his flesh he has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility in the Jewish temple in the Jewish temple which existed till about 70 AD there the courts the different areas that people could go to had different walls set up different barriers Certain Gentiles could come into the outer temple courts, could not go into the inner temple courts. Women could come into some of the temple courts. The Gentiles could come only no further, right? There was a wall that had barriers set up with some ways to get around the barriers. You know, think of a dividing fence that had walks in between them. Gentiles were not supposed to go past the barrier, right? There was an inscription on the barrier that said not to come any further, any closer to the temple itself if you were Gentile. Here's what it said. No foreigner, no Gentile, may enter in within the rows of columns topped by a rail around the sanctuary in enclosure. Whoever is caught, having gone past this, on himself will be put the blame for the death which will ensue. In other words, if you happen to go beyond this and you're a Gentile, you've only got yourself to blame because you're going to die really quickly. Consider the uproar that happens in Acts chapter 21 when Paul is accused of having taken a Gentile. He passed that barrier. In Acts 21-28, the, the people in the temple start crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law in this place. Moreover, he has even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled the holy place. Bringing Greeks or Gentiles into the outer course was not a problem. They accused him of taking them past the barriers. And here's what the sign looked like. We've actually found them. If you could read the entire text that's on that picture right there, it would have that inscription we just read. Any foreigner that comes past this barrier has only himself to blame for his death, which will follow shortly. They were serious about these divisions. Serious about these separations. Jesus broke down those walls. You know, we're really good about building walls and fences. I mean, what was the, the poem we had to read in high school that the walls or fences make good neighbors? It seems, I don't know, was that Frost or Sandra I don't know who it was, but walls tend to make good neighbors. Why do we like to keep people at their distance? That's not the way we're supposed to be, Right? Before uh, building a wall, Frost also said, I'd ask to know what I was, whether I was walling in something or walling out something. Am I keeping things in here or am I keeping people out? Fences and walls to keep us separated from others. Men from men, men from women, young from old, white from black, English from non. We have built so many barriers, so many walls between all of us. Jesus broke them all down spoke to the woman at the well. Jewish men who were properly following the law and the rules and regulations were told they didn't speak to a woman in public, even their wives. Jesus is outside by the well speaking to this woman, telling her, in fact, I came for you. He broke down every barrier that he could. We need to make sure we don't build them back. In many ways, the, the biggest barrier was that difference, that barrier between Jew and Gentile. He has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, making peace, abolishing, making null and void. Abolishing what? The law of commandments expressed in ordinances. The law that God had given at Sinai in the book of Exodus, the rules and regulations that had been bound upon the Jewish people were a wall between the Jewish people and the Gentiles. By definition, that's what made someone a Jewish person as opposed to a Gentile person. Why did Jesus abolish the law, fulfill the law? Why is the law not binding on people anymore? That he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. We are all a new person now. There is no white black, there is no Jew Gentile, there is no English speaking, Hispanic speaking. There cannot be if we are truly going to be members of God's family. can't live that way supposed to. Making peace. The only way to have peace is to be one, to be unified. If you're not one, by a definition, right, there's two, at least, and that's a division. That's a separation. You can't have that. That he might also reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing, putting to death the hostility. might reconcile us both, Jew and Gentile. However, you're thinking of different groups. Whatever the different groups are, those should have been, and in fact, they have been, whether we realize it or not, done away with. We have been reconciled together to God in one body. No longer two people, two peoples, God's people and the others, but one people in one body. That's what the church is God's family here on the earth. How did Jesus do that? Through the cross. The only possible way. Jesus offering his life, his body And through God's grace That being extended to us Killing the hostility In so many ways Killing the hostility between Jew and Gentile And there had been a lot of hostility Between these two groups But in many many other ways The hostility between all of us and God Because all of us Jew or Gentile Had all been living for ourselves In the past And that creates hostility between us and God because we're not doing what God wants us to do. When Jesus came, we've been made part of God's family. When we're part of God's family, the hostility between us and God is not there. It's only present when we're living for ourselves, but that's the way we used to be. That's supposed to be in the then part of our lives, not the now supposed to be the way we were not the way we are the entire mission of God the entire message of the Bible the message of the story of God in the world is reconciliation bringing man and God back together bringing men and woman back together man and man back together woman and woman together bringing everybody back to one I mean think about the story of the Bible how does it begin Adam and Eve in the garden. What do they do? Choose to do their own thing and they get sent out. Separation from God. From that point, the entire rest of the story of the Bible, a lot of pages, can be summarized down into really that one word of reconciliation. God's plan to put it back the way He originally intended by getting people to stop living for themselves and to come back to God. God didn't leave. We did. Bringing man back to God. And he came, Jesus came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Notice it's both groups. He's not simply saying Jesus came for you Gentiles over here. He's not simply saying those of you that have been separated in the past from God, Jesus came and preached peace to you. He says as well he preached peace to those of you who were near. He preached it to the Jews because the Jews had forgotten how to get close to God. The Gentiles never seemed to know it all, but he brought both groups together and said this is the way it needs to be. For through him, we both, Jew and Gentile, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Jesus came, preached peace. The word here actually is evangelized peace. He brought a message of peace, shared the message of peace. To whom? All of us, Gentile and Jew. You could put it into today's terms. That message of peace is to white black, English speaking, Spanish speaking. I don't care. Pick ways people can be divided and said against each other that's no longer supposed to be the case we are all now near to god how are we near to god for through him jesus we both we all have access in one spirit to the father by the action that jesus took on the cross and the blood that he shed so then you are no longer strangers and aliens but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, the foundation stone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit did you notice that little part right there at the end as I develop into the kind of person God wants me to be what am I in the process of becoming? Look again at the last phrase on the bottom of that quote from Ephesians. In him, in Jesus, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for whom? For God. By the Spirit. Does God's Spirit dwell within us? It does if we are in fact living for God. It does if we are part of god's family it does if we are talking about being one and not looking for ways to be separated not looking for ways to be divided but it takes time it's a process it's something we have to work at we are being built together as one family as a place where god dwells in us by the spirit you're no longer non-citizens you God's family we are part of God's family now when you think of that I think of building a spiritual house which Peter talks about in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 7 being built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets Jesus himself being the cornerstone the foundation stone that was laid the stone that the builders the Jewish people had at one point rejected but really all of us had rejected Jesus. All of us had rejected that message from God to live for God instead of living for ourselves. The whole structure being joined together, becoming part of the body of Christ, the body of Jesus. All of us having a role to play. All of us having something we can do. And here, look at the last uh, slide. As each of us becomes a stone, adding being added to this growing structure we are in fact living stones, a royal priesthood, we all have a place in this structure, this family of God some people stand and talk for a long time in front of groups of people that may be the stone that some people are, that some people represent others are a stone added to the house to show a heart of compassion Others are a stone added to the house to to contribute money. Hopefully a lot more than that, but some people seem to have money fall out of the sky and land in their pocket. It actually happens because of hard work, But regardless of that. We all have different roles to play. And just because I'm not the hand, just because I'm not the person that maybe stands up and talks does not mean my role is not important. It all fits together into a growing structure really and truly by the sacrifice of our lives to live for God and not continue living for ourselves. The first step is to give our lives to God and not have our lives be molded to the way the world wants us to be. He, Jesus, preached to those who were far off. So the question this morning I want to ask all of us, are we still living as if we are far off? does my life look in the last week, the last month? Is my life something that someone looking at me would say, that's someone who is doing their best, trying to live for God? Or would they look at my life and say, no, that actually doesn't look like what Jesus would have done. That looks like somebody doing what they want to do. Too many of us, I'm afraid, are still living for ourselves, certainly in this city. The question this morning is which way of living describes you, describes me. If you're not yet a member of God's family at all, Jesus died for you so that you could come to him and be buried in the waters of baptism right behind me. Die yourself and live for him. If the call Jesus applies to anyone here this morning, we're here and beg, please look at where you are versus where you need come as we stand